Amen. A few weeks ago, I mentioned from the pulpit here about a sheet at the back, and I asked people to fill it in if they desired to help out and assist in a variety of different roles, and one of those roles was for uh, someone to come and help us in the reading of the scriptures. We are delighted, of course, tonight to have our brother Ryan with us, and Ryan's going to come now and read to us from Revelation chapter 22. Thank you, Ryan. So this evening's reading is taken from Revelation 22, verses 1 to 9. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it, and on the either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and there shall be no candle, neither light of sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent the angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. We'll end a reading there at verse 9. Amen. We do thank Ryan for stepping forward and reading together the scriptures for us tonight. Um, others are on the sheet. Uh, you'll be called upon in due time, and I'll give you a wee bit more uh, notice. Now, my text tonight is taken from Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5, and it says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And I want to entitle this uh, message tonight, No More Night. Now, this is the seventh message in the mini-series on the subject, the no mores of heaven. Here's something else that is not found in the new heaven and the new earth. Not only is there no more sea and no more death and no more sorrow and no more tears and no more pain and no more curse, but according to Revelation 22 verse 5, we are informed and there shall be no night there. Now to me that's very interesting. To me that's very instructive. You see, this is something very different from what we 
are used to. You see, the reality is that we have been used from the dawn of time, from the first day of creation, uh, the, the, the very first week. We read of the evening and the morning were the first day, Genesis 1 and 5. Now, if you look at the text, notice it carefully. God called the light day, and God called the darkness night. And here we're introduced to the very essence of that night. You see, that night, or the word night in the Bible, represents darkness. Now, now what do we do in the darkness of the night? Well, we put the lights on. And in older times, they lit the oil lamp or the tele lamp. And there might even be some who remember the lighting of the lamps. Maybe the room was lit by the flicker of a big church candle or a, or a small candle. Or, or maybe there was the lighting of the fire and the shutting of the curtains. And what was that a sign of? That was a sign to shut out the dark world on the outside. And there was a waiting for the dawning of the new day. You see, we have been used to this from the dawn of the first day when God created light. Remember, that's the first thing he said. Let there be light. And the Bible says, and there was light. You see, the first act of God was to bring light into a dark world. There was the darkness, and God said, let there be light. And that light, I believe, must have come from God himself. For he didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars until the fourth day. I believe the triune God was involved in the creation. And remember the Lord Jesus said this about himself. I am the light of the world. And the apostles John's testimony was this. And the light was the life of man. You see, this fundamental division of time between day and night, evening and morning, it has persisted down through the history of the world from the very beginning. And it's continued right up to this present time. And in the rotation of the earth around the sun is the various weeks and months and years and seasons have come and gone. We have been used. There's always been the beginning of the night. And then there's in the end of the night. We welcome the morning. But in the new heaven, we are told there has been the abolishment of the night. Look at the text. And there shall be no night there. And in the new heaven and the new earth, they'll not need no candle. I believe that speaks of artificial light. Same with the lamp, the oil lamp, or the tele lamp. Notice also, neither light of the sun. There, there's no natural light in the new heaven and the new earth. Why? How? For the Lord God giveth them light. Now, now that's hard for us to grasp. That's hard for us to understand. You see, we feel, well, perhaps we're going to miss out on something. We, we have been very dependent on the sun for our light. We have depended on the sun for, for life. Do you know that the night and the darkness affects our mood and our well-being? 
Have you ever heard of the SAD syndrome? If we were to visit the north of Scotland, go to the Shetland Isles, you see, they, they have less light of the sun there. They have longer nights there than we have. And medical people would tell you that that has affected people's mental health. And you think of somebody who goes to work in the dark. Somebody who goes to bed in the dark. Somebody who wakes up in the dark. And they find it a difficulty. They, they find it a struggle because of the absence of the light. You see, the light is essential to our well-being. The light of the sun. The life of the sun. Even when children are born to mothers and that child can be jaundiced, the, the, the doctors will, will give vitamin D to that child. And yet here's something that's really caught my attention. In the eternal state, in the new heaven and the new earth, the period known as day and night, as we know them, as we understand them, they are gone. They no longer exist. Because in the eternal state, the sole source of light and life is the Lord God himself. Other light sources are made obsolete. Why? Isn't that a good question? Why does the Bible say, and there shall be no night there? We know what's missing, no night there, but why? All the sources of light, artificial and natural, they're, they're gone. Why? Because the Lamb is the light thereof. Three things tonight. I want you to think of the essence of the night has been removed. And the Bible says, and there shall be no night there. That's what it means. The essence of the night has been removed. You think of the night of darkness. Genesis 1 and 5. God called the darkness night. You see, the night speaks of the darkness of sin. The Lord Jesus said in John 3 and 19, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. The darkness is synonymous with sin. And over in the book of Jude, in Jude 6, we read this. In Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Think of the angels that sinned. The angels for whom there was no salvation, no call to repent and believe the gospel. They are reserved and chained under darkness to the damnation of that great day. You think tonight of the dark and difficult days that we live in for our wee country. We could literally say the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland and England is in spiritual darkness. It holds true for the Republic of Ireland. Many are not concerned. We, we live in a dark world. We live in a world of sin and depravity. And the only way to overcome the darkness is how? Send the light the light of the Savior, because he said, I am the light of the world. I was thinking, of course, of the words there in Second Corinthians and in chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, 
for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Not only have we got the light of the Savior, but we've got the light of the Scriptures. And that light of truth and righteousness exposes men's sins, the sins of their thought, the sins of words, the sins of deed. And they hate the light. And they reject the light. They prefer the darkness. Because the night speaks of darkness. What about the night of disappointment? I think of the night upon which the Lord Jesus was crucified. And after that horrible death of crucifixion, Peter said in John 21, I think it's in verse 3, I go a fishing. Now remember, he was a fisherman. And why did he say, I go a fishing? Because he's disappointed. Because he's discouraged. He, he didn't understand the significance of the crucifixion of Christ. A few of the other disciples said, we will go with thee. The Bible tells us they toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, of course, I believe Peter had forgot a very valuable lesson that the Savior had taught him in Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Remember, the Savior said to them, let down thy nets for a draught. Peter said, but Lord, we have toiled all night, Luke 5 and 5, and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, these were experienced fishermen. They knew where to catch fish and how to catch fish. They had fished all night and taken nothing. Discouragement, disappointment. And here's the Lord Jesus, and he has died. He, he, he has left them. His body's in the tomb and they're fearful and they're lonely and they're frightened, they're frustrated and, and they felt let down. And the Savior comes in the Sea of Tiberias. He walks along the shore and he tells these fishermen, cast thy net on the right side. And they caught a great multitude of fishes. Maybe you're going through a night of discouragement and disappointment right now in your life. And you're asking, where's the Savior? I want to assure you, he's there for you. He's standing by you. He's there on the shore to help you. Yes, you've toiled. Yes, you've taken little. Yes, there's little reward for your labor. But the Lord is not discouraged. The Lord has a plan and purpose. The Lord can work it out. The Lord is definitely not a disappointment. What about the night of despair? Could you turn over there to Psalm um, 77 for a moment? I want you to look at this text, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 77. And verses 1 and 2. Here's the psalmist a thousand years before Christ. And what did he say? I cried unto the Lord with my voice. Even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remember God and was troubled. Can you get the picture? In the night, the psalmist experienced a time of despair. He said, my soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul Refused to be comforted. Can you think of the man of God? Here he is hurting. He's in pain, mental pain, maybe physical pain, emotional pain. 
His life is full of woes, full of anxiety, full of cares, full of fears, full of concern. And when is that heightened? I want to tell you it's heightened in the night. Could, could you think of a widower or a widow? They've lost their life's partner. The Lord has called them home. I've spoken to some and they tell me the night's the hardest. The loneliness of the night. The silence of the night. I, I, I have known people and maybe even there's some and they're here and they're listening to me. And fear of the night is so real that if they've got a coal fire on and they're out of coal or out of logs, they're certainly not going out into the night. If it's windy, if it's raining, if there's hail, if there's snow, if there's sleet, they, they would rather shiver and put a blanket or a, a coat on than go out and get more coal and more logs. Why? Because there's, there's something about the night. It's eerie. It, it causes fear. It brings its own despair. And, and here's a night of despair for the psalmist. Whatever it was, but we're not told. Did you know that Saul, the first king of Israel, had a night of despair? He wanted the Lord to speak to him. And he prayed, Lord, speak to me. But the Lord didn't answer him. And you know what he did? I'll tell you why the Lord didn't answer him. Because he had turned his back on God. He had forsaken God. He had forgotten God. He had failed God. The Lord had nothing more to say to Saul. The Lord was no longer speaking to him. God had given him up. And what did he do? He turned to a familiar spirit. Here's a man that's going down. And what does he do? He ends up speaking to the devil. God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. What about the night of denial? Peter, what was he told? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 34. This night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice this night. And Peter did that with oaths and cursings. See, Peter boasted, I'll never forsake you. He counted it a great privilege to be with Christ and a follower of Christ. Not me, Lord, but the very man who boasted and said, I'll not deny thee. He denied him that night to a little girl when she warmed his hands at the fire. When she said, thou art one of them, thy speech betrayeth thee. He denied, the Bible says, with oaths and curses. Not just once, not twice, but three times. And as he denied the third time, the cock crew. You see, before the cock crows, you'll deny me, Jesus said this night three times. It was a night of denial for Peter. Uh, and there's not a picture tonight of so many backslayers in Northern Ireland who professed to love Christ, sat in the house of God, brought their Bible, prayed. Maybe some even preached. They certainly praised the Lord. And yet, where are they tonight? They're afar off. There's been the night of denial and they've never been restored. They've never repented. They, they haven't confessed their sin. Maybe I'm speaking to a backslider this evening. That's true of you. What about the night of doubts? See, there's many things that we don't understand. Things in the Bible. The ways of God, they're, they're past finding out. Remember Thomas, John 20 and 19, tells us it was the evening. It was the first day of the week, the, the evening of the first resurrection morning. The Lord Jesus stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Thomas wasn't with them, John 20, 24. And remember he said, unless I 
see the holes in his hands and put forth my finger and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You see, it was the night of doubt for Thomas. And eight days later, according to John 20, 27, Thomas was with them. And the Lord Jesus singled him out and said, Thomas, reach hither thy finger. He, 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 he said to him, be not faithless, but believing. And what did Thomas do? He just knelt down. He, he, did, he didn't put his hand in Christ. He didn't poke his finger into the holes. He didn't thrust his fist into his side. He just fell down at his feet. John 20, 28. My Lord and my God. And maybe you're here and it's a night of doubt for you. Even though you profess to be saved, there's so many things you don't understand. Things in the Bible, things in your own life. And your heart and mind is full of fear and dread and worry and doubt. And you're robbed of joy and peace and rest. And of course the devil casts all this into your mind and into your heart. We need to learn to believe the book. We need to learn to take him at his word. Whenever we read the scriptures and you pray, Lord, speak to me. Like Samuel, speak, Lord, for thy servant. When you read the scriptures, God is speaking to you because this is God's infallible and inerrant and authoritative word. What about the night of death tonight? Remember in Luke 12 and 20, we read about the rich farmer. What did the Savior say to him? This night shall thy soul be required of thee. The man knew he had a soul, but he thought more about his silver than his soul. The man knew he had an abundance of grain in the field and in the barn, but he thought more of his grain than he did of God. This man thought more about pulling down his barns than he had of reaching down for his Bible and reading the Old Testament scriptures. This man didn't plan to die, but he did die. This night, and what if God was to say the same to you? And, and, and you don't die in Christ. You die in your sins. You see, only Jesus can make the difference. Only Christ can make the difference. Because the Bible says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Can I tell you one other thing? What about the night of damnation? Judas Iscariot. The Bible tells us in John 13, verse 30. And he went out and it was night. This is the one that sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. This is the one that went out, sadly, full of guilt, having professed Christ and hanged himself on a tree, full of despair, full of guilt. There's a story told about Dr. Bob Jones, Bob Jones University. This man had a particular son. The son was ill. The son was afraid to die. And he said to the dad, Dad, don't let me go into a dark grave. Dad, allow the light to shine into the grave. So the dad, when they put the young fella into the coffin and the coffin into the ground, he got this metal thing and had a shaft of light going down from the top of the grave down into where the lid of the coffin was, exposing his name. And whenever he could visit the grave, he could look down and see the name of his son uh, clearly visible. That young fella died. That shaft of light was put in his place. I don't know whether he knew Christ. I don't know if he knew the light of the world. But I know this, that if he didn't and died in his sin, that young man would be lost forever, along with the rich farmer. Along with many others, reserved in the blackness of darkness forever and ever. A place where there's no morning. A place where there's no eternal day. A place of outer darkness. Do you fear the darkness? A place where there's a gnashing of teeth. 
a place where there's a, a bitter wail. But, but here we are, we're told in heaven that the darkness of the night, the night of darkness has been removed, the night of discouragement, the night of despair, denial, doubt, death, damnation, it's all been removed. See, the essence of the night is removed. Could I tell you something else very quickly? The end of the night has been revealed. It says, if you look again at our text, and there's no night there. Underline that. That means the end of the night has been revealed. The night doesn't begin. The night doesn't end. Because it doesn't exist in heaven itself. I think of Nicodemus. He was a religious man, a ruler of the Jews, a respectable man. He came to Jesus Christ one night. And that was a night of discovery for him. You see, the end of the night became a night of discovery. He discovered who Jesus Christ is. He discovered that he needed to be born again. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. And that night of discovery came as a, a, an end to the darkness in Nicodemus's life. It, it was an end of death. Because in Christ he would no longer die in his sins. It was an end of damnation and eternal punishment. It was the end of discouragement and despair and doubt. All for Nicodemus. I wonder if you've ever had a night of discovery. Has there been a time when you've realized who Jesus Christ is, recognized your need of him, and you've come to him, whether day or night? You see, that night changed Nicodemus' life. And he had a testimony now that he was one of Christ's disciples. And he proved that by his involvement in taking the body of Christ and helping to uh, see that it was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But that night of discovery also became a night of deliverance. Remember in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, the earthquake that rocked and shook the prison house. He called for a light. He sprang in before the men of God and asked this question, what must I do to be saved? And they gave the answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Saved from sin. It's penalty, it's power, it's pleasure. One day from its presence. You see, here's at the end of the night. This man not only had a night of discovery, he had a night of deliverance. He realized and recognized something that was discoverable. A time and a period of deliverance. I wonder tonight if you ever heard of the country and western singer, Johnny Cash. I, I like a wee bit of country music. I, I have no problem with country and western music. And Johnny Cash was a most celebrated individual. He's adored and loved by his fans. Now, now I'm just not a fan, but, but I, I can listen. He lived a life of drugs, drink, rock and roll. But the amazing thing is this, he could never get away from the gospel. He couldn't get away from the claims of Christ on his life. Do you know that one of the most popular songs that Johnny Cash ever sang, in fact, we could maybe say one of his greatest hits. Do you know what it was? I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. Did you know that that song is based on the Lord Jesus Christ giving sight to a blind man? Luke 18, 35 to 43. It's about a testimony of a man darkened by sin. And yet that man received his spiritual light. And that night became a, a night of discovery for that man. 
He discovered the light of the world. And it became a night of deliverance. You think of the repeating of the refrain in the song. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more light. I wonder how many of the fans that actually sing the song and hear it on the radio actually understand what it is. But it's the testimony of every sinner who's saved. It's, it's your testimony tonight. It's mine. Each of us can say, I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. It's a night of discovery. It's a night of deliverance. There's the end of the night. It's been revealed. You see, that miracle of that beggar outside Jericho, that was a sermon in action. That was a vivid description, a vivid demonstration, I believe, of the power of of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 4, we read in verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You, you, you're aware of the end of the night. You're aware of the end of an hour. The end of a day. I'm glad that day's over. What about the end of a week? People love Friday. Quit your work. You're free on Saturday and free on Sunday. The end of a month, the paycheck comes in. What about the end of the year? You close the year and you look forward to the opening of the new year. What about the end of 10 years, a decade? Or the end of a century? And we have, we have had the joy of marking the year 2000. You see, we mark time. What about marking the end of life? Here's the ending of the night, the last and final night. An ending where the night vanishes forever. Where the end of the night passes in such a way it never returns. Has your night been a night of discovery? That you needed to be born again? A night of deliverance? Because you have saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. The end of the night has been revealed. One final thing. I want you to think about the exclusion of the night has been recognized. You see, as I've told you, the night speaks of darkness. Speaks of depravity of sin. And isn't that a time when evildoers carry out their evil deeds? If we were to talk to the police, crown services, the courts, they would probably tell us that most of the thefts are done at night. Most of the murders, most of the other crimes, they're all done at night. Why? Because men love darkness. Their deeds are evil. And under the cover of darkness, they, they seek to, to carry out their evil deeds as if no one sees them, but God sees. God knows. And yet in heaven, the exclusion of the night has been recognized. Because God's testimony is this, and there shall be no more night. In other words, there's no more depravity. There's no more wickedness. There's no more evil doing. You see, heaven is such a place where evil is banished forever, where evil is excluded. None that defileth, the Bible says, shall enter in. And I say this as we finish. You see, God's people are children of the day, not children of the night. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 5. It says, Ye are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, not of darkness. 
Could we heed the counsel of the Apostle Paul who said this in Romans 13? The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We're to cast off the works of darkness. We're to separate ourselves from every aspect of sin and evil. Now we thank God we're not what we used to be. We thank God what we're not what we once were. But over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul says this. Think of these words. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Because we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness. We've been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. The darkness speaks of depravity. It speaks of when evildoers do their evil work. But we are not. We're children of the day if we're in Christ. We're not of the night. We're not of the darkness. It, it speaks of weariness. And of course at night time you do become weary. And how many are weary in God's work? Weary serving the Lord. Weary in worship. Weary in the ways of God. And yet if there's been the exclusion of the night, not only is there the removal of sinful depravity and evildoers and wickedness, but there's the removal of all kinds of weariness. We're not to become weary because in the eternal state, we will love the Lord perfectly. We will live for the Lord perfectly and we will labor for the Lord Perfectly. Why? Because if you think of our text, and with this we close, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And if we have light, we have life. And it says, and they shall reign forever and ever. We'll not be weary in our love, in our labor. We'll not be weary in our longing, because the night has been expelled. It's excluded in the eternal state. I leave this little thought with you tonight. I pray that we'll recognize the essence of the night, the end of the night, and we'll recognize the expulsion or the exclusion of the night in the eternal state.